0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Petropolis Podcast. My guest today is Bertha Villanueva Schertzer. Bertha is a certified pet first aid CPCR instructor. You are also an influencer, raising awareness about pet safety, pet CPR, and so much more with your Aloha Dog Mom blog. And you are also a veteran. You served in the US Army. You were in Afghanistan. Yes. Yes, in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. That was a 20-year operation.
1: Yes, I think so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When were you there?
1: I was there from 2003 to 2004. Wow, and you were a sergeant in the Army. Um, I came out as a sergeant while I was over there as a corporal.
0: Wow tell me a little bit about that. Why did you go into the army? Tell me how that is possibly connected to what you're doing now. Is it? um A little.
1: <laughs> it, yeah. it's, it's a weird little how it connects, but there's a little bit. So I joined the military late in life. I was already in my 20s at the time. And I was kind of at a crossroads in life. I'd gone to college, study what I Thought I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be a fashion designer, and so I I went to school for that. And it just, you know, what I hate sewing, and so I was like, okay, this is not for me. You know, I I, I didn't want to do that. And then I was working administrative jobs, and it just wasn't for me. So I I tell everybody I was at this like crossroads in my life as to what to do. So I was. Laying in my bed, staring up at the ceiling one night. And at about two o'clock in the morning, it hits me. I'm going to join the military. And so I, let's state myself at this time, I was picked out the yellow pages and was calling every military recruiter out there. You know, And I'm like, okay, whoever can sell it to me the best, I'm, I'm gonna go for it.
0: You went on this search through the yellow pages. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. I
1: know. It was just one of those, those things. And believe me, I blew everybody out of the water when I told them what I had done. And I, you know, believe it or not, I actually started in the Navy. I served two years in the Navy and then I transferred my enlistment over to the army. And so it was, it was me. I actually, I loved it. I loved being in the military I love putting on the uniform and serving my country. It's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a career out of it. Doing whatever I could, taking all the advantages that I could. Education-wise, you doing what I needed to do to be promoted, move up the chain of command. And then the deployment came up. And so I volunteered to go. It wasn't really my time to go. It was I volunteered to go because I wanted to be promoted to sergeant. So you put yourself on a list at that time, there were volunteer lists. And so I put myself on there. And it was, we had two units that were kind of like, they wanted me to go with them. So one was to either go to Kosovo or to go to Afghanistan. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, Really just whoever, like whoever's just going to make it happen. Let's just make it happen. It doesn't matter to me. And the Afghanistan unit was the one who one out, I guess. <laughs> and so wow. I, ended, I went with them.
0: How long did you serve in Afghanistan? A year. In Kabul? Yes, in Kabul. Wow. That must have been something fierce. What did you bring it, back with you? Tell me. Souvenir-wise, I really didn't bring much.
1: <laughs> I think mindset, you know, baggage, I think is what I brought back more what an emotional toll it took on me uh, was was the thing I brought back the most. There was hairy, scary moments. I'm not going to lie about it and say it was, you know, it was all perfect or whatever. But I think it was just my being around so many guys. You know, the army is they're not hot and heavy women in there. And so the unit I went to, there was about 50 of us or so, and there was only um, three women out of that 50 some odd. And the compound or the camp that we were at, there was, I believe they said it was like 2,500 and there was only 50 women. Wow. So it it was a lot. The guys made no secret that they didn't want me there. That eventually just kind of took its toll on me, although I didn't really see it or notice it until I came back.
0: So you brought that back with you. I did. I did. And did your work in the military impact the choices you made with where you are now? In the military,
1: I did administrative. I was paralegal. I drove trucks. It isn't what I wanted to do. I'm good at it, but it's not what I wanted to do with my life. I really love learning languages, provided it's a language I'm interested in. I was studying Japanese. And so that's what brought me out to Hawaii. I came to finish my undergrad out here. And that's when the PTSD started to come about, which I wasn't aware of. And just noticing at that point how dogs are really changing and impacting people's lives. They didn't care what I was doing. They didn't care that I had PTSD. They, they just loved me for me. And the friendship was friendship and love was just unconditional. And so that's what led me to do what I do now, which is teaching pet first aid and CPR.
0: (laughs) Big turnaround. I mean, you went from one very different world to teaching pets CPR and we're in a business group together. And you were talking about practicing. How do you practice when there's no emergency? You
1: practice your bandaging skills. You get that stuffed animal or your own pet if they'll be comfortable with it for you, because you need to practice in order for it to become second nature. You know, most of the time people just take in the information and they don't do anything with it. And so it's kind of like that saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. So during that emergency, you don't want to have that deer in the headlight look and be like, oh my gosh, what do I do? You want to be able to just jump into action. And so this is why we emphasize practicing from the bandaging to chest compressions for pet CPR. You need to practice that so that it becomes muscle memory for you.
0: That's a tough thing to do. People are willing to sit there and scroll or comment on Facebook and not practice bandaging or try to remember the number of compression to breaths for their pets. So you teach this. And you teach it to pet owners and everyone, anyone involved in the pet industry. Tell me, tell me the process. How do you do this?
1: So it is, it's pet parents, it's pet industry professionals, first responders. I mean, really anybody that wants to learn how to help a sick or injured dog or cat. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I don't want to limit and be like, it's only you guys. No, no, no. Because there's animal lovers out there that just don't have their own and they'd be willing to help out. So they sign up online, Zoom, you know, live with me. And I teach this and I don't do pre-recorded classes. And the reason being is that when it comes to the life-saving pet first aid techniques like CPR or the Heimlich maneuvers, I need to watch and assess the students. I need to make sure that they're performing these techniques correctly. Because to be frank, if you half-ass it in class, you're going to half-ass it Uh if the time comes. And so that's where I'm a little bit strict. I'm a fun instructor, but I'm I'm a little strict where it's just like, I need to make sure that everyone understands the basics, foundations of things and that they're executing things properly so that they're prepared and just ready to go and that things are done properly to help that dog or cat. Got it.
0: You know, I love independent pet retailers, independent pet businesses. I love them. How many of those have you taught? And specifically, how many with grooming? Retail shops, only one. That's it?
1: That's it. Um,
0: Groomers,
1: it's been, but that retail shop had grooming. And then there was another shop that was just groomers. And then it was dog trainers. I have the Department of Agriculture out here has um, canine handlers right. to sniff out certain invasive beetle that's out here. They trained with me as well because it was something that was required for them. So I got them. But a lot of people just, they, they're they not aware that these classes exist, first and foremost, because it's not, it hasn't been around forever.
0: Yeah. You know. I mean, when I owned a retail business and had grooming, I made sure I took the red cross classes i did a couple years in a row and got their videos so my staff could watch it i don't know if they watched it because i didn't follow up with them and i should have so i don't know if they watched it i had my dog walker i gave the videos to my dog walker because if anything was to happen to my dog he needs to know what to do but i didn't do the follow-up i assumed they cared enough to make the choice to watch and learn and understand. And then if you don't practice, obviously, it's out of sight, out of mind, like you said. When I see businesses like Wolfgang Bakery, they're opening up hundreds and hundreds and all of them have grooming. You would think that those businesses would come to Bertha and and say, we wanna have a program where our groomers are certified every year and, you have follow up sessions with them so they're they always remember and it would make those businesses stand out i would rather go to a business a groomer that has been certified in cpr and you call it, you call it cpcr as well right um, different. so there
1: is a there is a bit of a difference between cpr and cpcr so cpcr is the latest protocol for it a lot of people will still call it cpr Cause it's easier for everyone to remember the compressions to rescue breath ratios. Is, it's a bit different, but it's across the board. Now we're not worried about the size of the pet and you know, what kind of pet is this now? It's just like, okay, we're going to do this amount of chest compressions, this amount of rescue breaths, no matter what. So there's, there's that difference in that one, but I stress it to a lot of pet business owners, regardless of what kind of pet business you have. It is beneficial to get a certification in pet first aid and CPR, get trained in this, because an emergency can happen anytime, anywhere. But it's not always going to happen when you're at home. We all don't live across the street from a vet. Some things are very time sensitive, and you want to render aid immediately. Do what you can in order to increase the survivability and have a better outcome for that pet. I try to let people know, like when my husband and I started a dog boarding business out here, one of the first things I did was become certified in pet first aid and CPR. I was like, if I have dogs under my care, I need to know what to do. Should something happen? Not just for my own, but for these other dogs. And believe it or not, I had like 90% of my clientele told me that's what geared them towards me because I had that certification. No one else did, and so I tell them it's beneficial if you work with dogs or cats. Do this. This will show your dedication to the care that you have for these pets, and you can help them out at the drop of a dime. Whether it's a customer walking into the store with their dog, and then all of a sudden something happens with the dog, maybe he eats a treat, starts choking, or something. But nonetheless, it's like all of you can step in and help, or Maybe they're at a pet event and something happens. A lot of vets go to pet events, but I can promise you, they probably don't have any type of equipment with them or anything. I'm prepared all the time, no matter where I go. I have pet first aid kits in my car, in my bag, and at home. And it's just like, I tell everybody, you go at the drop of a dime, I can help.
0: Yeah. And I wish pet businesses would take a different, different perspective instead of thinking that it's a burden have every one of their team members trained and you guys have access to Bertha. She can do everything by Zoom. Dogtopia, perfect example, their doggy daycares. Every employee that works there should be certified and that should be part of the training program. I wouldn't want to take my animal anywhere where they didn't have at least one member who knew what they were doing in every shift. So I think this is a good plug. Wolfgang, Dogtopia, all you wonderful franchises, businesses who have grooming, I think you need to call Bertha and schedule Zoom sessions with her. People don't realize the importance of having this
1: training until something happens. What I'm trying to do is prevent that, right? I want, I, when one of the things I tell everybody is like, I teach this not because I want people to do it. You know, I want you to have to do pet first aid. I want you to do CPR. It's like, no, 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 that's not the point. I do this because I don't want a pet parent to ever have an if I only knew moment. Yeah. You know, if only I did blah, blah, blah. If only I knew this and this, you know, it's like, I want you to be prepared. It's being proactive. I I hear that Humans, that human parents have their little humans. I hear they get some type of first aidish training when they have children. So why not do this for your pets? Your pets are your family. Why leave them out? Don't just think like, oh, well, I can just go to the vet. No, no,
0: no. I'll tell you what triggered me to go and learn, take classes at the Red Cross, and it was a tragedy. It was my first four months in business. A dog walker comes running in screaming that a dog was electrocuted around the corner from my business. So I ran over there and the dog was on his side. I started CPR and I had seen something somewhere where I checked the airways and I had been certified in CPR for humans. So check the airways, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I had no clue. It was a Boston Terrier, He'd break a brachycephalic breed. So, you know, I'm like, I'm going to blow right in the mouth and the nose. I put my whole face on his. Didn't know what I was doing. Honestly, he wasn't breathing and he had been electrocuted. It was snowing out and between the salt and, and the snow, the water. And the dog walker was there on the phone for about three to four minutes before she sent someone to my store. So that dog was down for several minutes. It really threw me off. And I took her in, wrapped her up, and made them run to the vet. And I just thought, shit, if I knew what I was doing, maybe I could have saved that dog. He was already gone when I got there. But that triggered me to go and take the classes and every year get recertified. I stopped going because they never taught about cats. And I think I told you this before. They never would teach about cats. And here I am, my grooming business, we groom cats at least one day all day. And I thought, why, why not? Well, I'll just apply everything that I learned to cats as well, but it was really frustrating with the red cross. So I stopped going, which was wrong, but my frustration also being a business owner, thinking I knew everything, which I didn't, and I still don't, but what can businesses do give some guidance on what you would recommend for business owners to do when it comes to their teams, when it comes to getting them ready?
1: It's actually knowing where your nearest emergency vet is. You'd be surprised how many people I ask, because I always ask my students, do you know where your nearest emergency vet is? Yep. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people are clueless. They're just, and I'm like, I'm sorry, an emergency, like choking drowning, whatever the case may be, I go, this is not the time to ask Alexa or Siri or Google nearest vet to me. You need to know this. You need to plug those numbers into your phone and have them ready. Wherever you go, if you travel with your pets, look it up. Look up and see, okay, should something happen? Where am I going to go? And it's knowing that don't wait for, is it going to get worse? Maybe it'll get better. No, 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 no. You need to jump in to action. You need to know what you're doing. Because unfortunately, with first aid or doing any of these life-saving techniques, good intentions is not a thing here. You need to know what to do and what not to do. You're either wasting time or you can make matters a lot worse. So you have to know exactly how to help. And I tell everybody, even if you freeze up, which can happen, in the back of your mind, you'll still know okay, I I can't remember this, but I know that no matter what, I have to get to the vet right away. So it's calling them because a lot of the times I've had people reach out to me on social media with full-blown emergencies. And I'm like, you need to call the vet. Social media, no, we don't jump on the next door app. We don't jump on Facebook. You're going to get a bunch of different answers and they're going to be incorrect. You know, you need to have the proper guidance. You're talking to your vet. You're talking to the emergency vet. Or if it's pet poison, maybe you have to contact one of the animal poison control centers. But it's just knowing all these things, having that plan. So with pet businesses, I tell them, ask the vet that's nearest to you, would it be okay if I, in an emergency, I had to bring in a pet that's not mine? Because a lot of them, they may say, no, you're not the owner. We, we can't render care because we don't have permission or whatever the case may be, but have an understanding. We did that. I have an understanding with the nearest emergency vet to where I live and a local vet here. And I had a contract with yeah. my dog boarding clients. I told them, okay, in the event of an emergency, these are the two places that we can go sign a permission here. You know, they say like, yes, they have my permission to take them there. If, it's just a sudden emergency, not on fault on our part. The owners will take financial responsibility for it yep. and so forth. And just getting all of that planned out because a lot of these people, they don't think about it. They don't think that this is going to happen to them.
0: Pet owners don't. And pet owners also will put all the blame on the businesses. It's not black and white. There's it's such a gray zone um, in doggy daycare and grooming. Yes, groomers make mistakes, but dogs move so it, things happen, and you have to be pre- prepared for those things. Senior dogs. We have we had one uh, go into cardiac arrest and on the grooming table, <laughs> and my groomer knew what to do. Obviously, she had watched the videos because she went for it. Brought the dog back, called the pet owner, came in, rushed the dog to the hospital, survived, and we also called the vet their vet that we had on record. So all those things are really important. I think a lot of a lot of groomers already do that. They have that hopefully. Hopefully. But as as pet owners, they should make sure you ask your grooming business that you take your pets to and the doggy daycare businesses that you take your pets to if they are prepared for those kinds of emergencies. I think pet owners need to take responsibility as well. Is there a difference between cats and dogs when it comes to CPR or CPCR? Compression,
1: yes. For compressions, not slight differences, but although some basic principles can be applied to both, they're different. Cats and dogs, their anatomies are different. Their physiologies are different, right? So it's understanding that, okay, just because this applies to a dog did not necessarily mean it can apply to a cat or vice versa. And I tell everybody that too with human first aid. A lot of people are like, oh, I took a human first aid class. Mm, That's nice, but we're not dealing with humans here. (laughs) We're dealing with animals. So we need to understand that. They're not going to tell us their symptoms. We need to look for a sign because there's a difference between the two. And understanding that yeah, there's some things that are the same, but you, know, you can't treat it the same way. You don't do CPR the same way. There is a difference between this. It gets back to it's like knowing what to do and what not to do.
0: Do you teach both when you teach your classes? I do, although I give when
1: people register for training with me, I give them an option. To either, do they want dog and cat first aid? Is it just dog? Is it just cat? If it's just like a, we have like a cat hotel here. So a cat boarding place. It's like, and they don't have dogs. It's like, okay, I'm not going to fault you for that. It's like, you're dealing with cats all the time. It's like, okay, then it's okay to just have your training for that purpose. So it's, I give them that option to do it because it's like, I don't want to waste your time. I think this was the better Situation for everyone, you know, it's just like, here, right. choose which one it is that you want to focus on. And then we can go from there.
0: When an animal is electrocuted, is there something you can do? Is there something that could possibly bring them back if they are electrocuted?
1: Sure. Well, we got to get them away I'll- from the electrical source. It's kind of think about it like what precautions do you take to avoid being electrocuted yourself? Right, I lock, I lock myself up in my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I bubble wrap myself and everything. Okay. <laughs> you know, with, with those kinds of things, it's like, it's preventable to a point. Sometimes maybe you just step somewhere. You just weren't aware of it or what have you, but it's whatever preventative measures you would take for yourself. This will apply to your pets. And it's also, it's like, can you help them? Well, yeah, but first you got to know how to take their vital signs. If you don't know how to take vitals, and you can't confirm that their heart has stopped beating, you can't perform CPR, you can't do chest compressions on an animal that has a heartbeat. So it's like, it's actually knowing it's like, okay, do I just have to do rescue breathing? You know, is this now like, they're not breathing, there's no heartbeat. So now I need to do CPR. But it's taking it all into action you know, believe it or not cpr actually doesn't have a really good success rate with humans as well and the reason being it's not because somebody doesn't know what they're doing is that they don't do it in time it's a very time sensitive thing so should it be an electrocution situation you're in the clear you have to know immediately where does this pet stand are they breathing Do they have a heartbeat? If it's no, all right, then I got to start CPR ASAP in order to increase the survivability for this pet and then getting them to the vet as fast as you can. And so a lot of people are missing that part and not just pet parents, but believe it or not, law enforcement, canine handlers. I was in LA for the Pet Health Expo. I was a guest speaker there. And I spoke to LAPD, the canine unit there. And I also spoke to the California Highway Patrol canine unit. And I asked them, are they taught first aid for their partners, their canine partners? And they said no. And I was like, okay, well, what if something happens to them? Who's going to help them? You know, And so one officer told me that she was really concerned about that. She would really love for LAPD to become more aware of it. They want that training, but it's just, they don't make it happen. And with the California Highway Patrol, they said they got some type of training, but it wasn't practical. It was like sutures and it was so, it was very wartime type of training and I'm aware of the company that trained them. So I asked the officer, I'm like, do you have this equipment in your vehicle for the for your dog? And he was like, no. What I teach is practical. And I was like, because you take these dogs home with you, right? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, what I'm teaching you, it's either on the street or at home should something happen. Mm-hmm. And so I had asked him, do you know how to take his vitals? And the officer had no clue how to do it. And so I taught him quickly. It's it's not that hard. I can do it, you know, relatively within like 10 minutes at most. And so I did it and he was so frustrated. And it was just like kind of showing like, look, this is important. These are things you need to understand because you're out and about California it gets hot. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you recognize the signs that he is suffering heat exhaustion? He's maybe going into heat stroke. We need to know this. If you're out on patrol for something, whatever, he cuts his paw, you should be able to know how to take care of this. Oh, These are yeah. your partners. And so, another officer there, I had told him, like, well, why isn't this a, a thing? And so, he's like, oh, the higher ups, it's not important to them or anything. So, I I then presented the question, are your higher ups, your supervisors and commanding officers, have they ever been canine handlers in the past?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they said, no. And, I was like, and that's where your problem is. Yeah. I was like, if these individuals were canine partners, then they under, and I'm like, so you guys should say something. You're their advocate. And I was like, these dogs are willing to lay their life on the line for you. And I go, that's your job to advocate. For your canine partner these are skills that'll help you help them should something happen you shouldn't have that kind of an attitude that oh just because you know it's like make them understand it make them understand this is the thing in massachusetts the governor passed a law out there i believe it's nero's law and it was because of a canine officer who had been shot and they didn't know also the officer the human officer was also injured as well but it was like everybody knew how to help the human officer but nobody knew how to help the canine officer so the governor passed a law where all first responders have to become certified <laughs> in pet first aid and cpr and they now permit the um, you know emts paramedics whoever have an ambulance to transport an animal in these vehicles. To emergency back care, but that's only in Massachusetts. That's only in Massachusetts. I have not heard of it passing anywhere else. What a shame! You know, it really is. I'm like, if if you don't, if the whole department can't see it, then do it on your own. Do it on your own, and then maybe it'll start to pick up when they see the importance of it. I was like, no one sees it until you talk about it. Say, hey, you know what? I know how to do this. And so I asked him, I go, do you even have a pet first aid or like a pet first aid kit in the vehicle for the dog?
0: And he was like, no. As a whole, what do you think we could do to bring attention to pet first aid, pet CPR? for the whole industry where businesses like Petco, PetSmart, those companies all have grooming services. They teach their staff, take initiative. What do you think it would take to get there? Do you think it's possible? I think it's possible. I
1: think one of the sad things is it's going to take an emergency to happen. And for these companies, to be like, oh my gosh, had we had somebody trained or something? Because I'm sorry, but not all Petco and smarts have vet clinics in them.
0: No, and they barely have people that know what they're talking about when it comes to products. So if you're in a company
1: that are like a pet-friendly company, right? You're allowed to bring your pets with you to work. I was like, get trained. You don't have to be a full-blown, I sell pet products or whatever. It's just like, if you have a business that allows... Like get trained because you don't know what can happen.
0: So Bertha, if I was you, I would be calling Chewie and say, hey, you have pets in your office. You All your team members should be taking my class. I, I, would, I need to start marketing you. I need to get yeah. you. <laughs> I, you would have your appointments. So not that you already don't, but you would probably want to kill me.
1: I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not like I have people banging down my door. I don't um, understand that. You should be. You should be
0: teaching just... every gang. You should be teaching every Dogtopia. You should be teaching every Happy Cat Hotel. And it should be on a cycle where there's a refresher course every six months. Or if something comes up, they can communicate with you. But that something has to be done where all these organizations or franchises that have animals or they service animals in their facilities should at least have several staff members certified to be able to help in an emergency. It's really as simple as that. I mean, the fact that the canine police officers don't know is scary. I mean,
1: firefighters too. I know. (laughs) You know, I mean, my nephew's a firefighter and I have a friend of mine from high school who's a captain in the fire department as well. And so I asked them, I'm like, hey, do you guys train? And I mean, because you can customize courses too. You know, it's like maybe they don't need the full shebang of a pet first aid CPR class. Maybe we condense it a little bit more to what would apply to them. I saw a video not too long ago on TikTok where it was the, I hate to throw them under the bus, but it was the Fullerton Fire Department in California. And there was a fire and I saw the firefighters bring out two dogs. One was smaller, one was a medium to large size dog. And they were both unconscious, you know, so the one firefighter goes to bring out a bag and it has an oxygen mask, but it has one pet oxygen mask. And then he kind of MacGyvered another mask for the other dog. And I'm watching this and bless his heart, because I know legally they don't have to render aid. That's not their job. But a lot of them do it because they're animal lovers. They may have animals at home, whatever the case may be. So I see him do this and great. He gave him oxygen, but he didn't check for vital signs. Right. And I'm like, that's great for the oxygen part brother, but we need to establish the other stuff. Cause if his heart isn't beating, we need to start CPR. And you know, the, the larger dog revived within like a minute or so. The video is like four minutes long and there was nothing happening with the smaller dog. So Everybody kind of, you make the assumption that the middle, the little dog doesn't make it because you don't know, but I'm watching this and I'm like, I I can commend you for giving them the oxygen, but there was so much more that could have been done. And so I, I asked this question to my friend and my nephew and they're just like, oh, well, like we have the masks. Okay. And like do you Do you know more than that? At least this like basic part. And they're not trained
0: in it either. So why have the mask if you're not trained in it? That makes, I'm a little confused about that. Why is it somebody was buying masks and they got the pet masks at, at a better price? I mean, come on, what the hell? I don't know. And then I like the fire department out here. I know a few years ago,
1: when I found out that they had these oxygen masks for pets, I was like, oh, I wanted to do some type of fundraiser to buy the masks to supply it to the fire department out here. And I was like, you know, it's pure donation. I'm not asking them to purchase it or anything like that. And they were like, no, you just can't donate to us. I have to ask permission. My God. From the entire head honcho of the fire department.
0: And the I'm like. The politics behind all this, it's ridiculous. You know, you wonder, again, they did it just, for shits and giggles. Yeah. You know, it makes the, makes the organization look good. They have some pet safety features, but nobody really knows what to do with it. There's no value in that. So then this is where pet parents and pet businesses should be taking initiative because we're the first ones there.
1: Yeah. It's having your, you know, you'd be surprised how many people don't have a pet first aid
0: kit. I don't have one. I'm, I, Let's talk about what it costs to do this. If I own a pet business and I have grooming and I want my team to take a class with you, what's it going to cost? What kind of, or do you have tiered programs? What do you have? I have group rates, you know, minimum
1: of three, you know, it's like three to five, six to 10, 11 to 15, you know, I have different rates. For that part, I have been I have traveled. I'm not just doing it in Hawaii. I travel to um, other places Uh to teach as well. So it's kind of it's that factor or it's the single, you know, just kind of depends on on what we're working with in this one. And so it's the same exact training, whether you do it online or in person. The only change in that one is that I'm not in the room with you if you do it online, um, but I am live. And secondly, you know, when I'm doing an in-person group training, i provide everything. <laughs> you know, they don't have to have anything. With you. they're just need to bring their pen and paper to take notes because i make everybody take notes. um so you know, it's just like i i bring the demo dolls to work with, you know, i give them the supplies, i give them a mini pet first aid kit to kind of start them off with. but you know, it's it's doing that. it's knowing, okay, this is what a pet first aid kit is, but it's like, okay, but also know like how everything works in that kit. Right. Cause it's like the Google thing. I don't have time to read labels and directions. (laughs) You got to know how to use everything that's in that kit, you know, and knowing (laughs) that a lot of those products, some are just for dogs, some are just for cats and, you know, you can't mix it up. And, you know, I, I'm covering like all these things. It's the most foundation, you know, I tell everybody, On social media, I'm out there, you know, I'll I'll talk about first aid and safety and all that, but I will never teach you to do CPR in three easy steps or in 15 seconds or less because there is way more involved Mm -hmm. than just chest compressions. You know, I've seen a lot of videos out there and they're not even telling you anybody how to take a pulse. You know, it's like, um... It's like, <laughs> you kind of need, that's kind of like the first step. <laughs> I gotta know how to check that pulse before I move on to the other things, but they don't stress a lot of the stuff that's super important. You know, that these, go, there's a method to the madness. And I tell everybody, I'm like, I'm sorry, I will not compromise myself and do that. I want to make sure that you are doing it properly. You know, so I may talk about a subject, but, I'm not going to teach you. Like I can teach somebody to take a pulse online. That's not a big deal, right? You know, in a video. Um, but it's like those life-saving techniques. It's like no, you know, there there's a method to that madness. But it's just like at the same time, it's like okay, you don't want to take this intensive pet first aid and CPR course, and it is intensive. I'm not going to lie. Um, it, is it be- really, yes, yes, it's an intensive course. It's one day. I am. Con- I have a lot of people asking me, you know or they tell me I wish it was two days because um, it's a bit overwhelming with all the information, but it's an, it's a very intensive course. Like I'm going to have you covered whatever the situation may be. And so, you know, I tell everybody, if you don't want to do the intensive, you can customize it. It's like, what is it exactly that you want to learn? Do you want to learn just to do how to, how to do a head to tail check? You know, because you have to know what you're
0: looking for.
1: You know, if a pet is injured, you know, it's like they suffered a head injury. It's not just a bump on the head or bleeding. It's like, look at their pupils. If right. their pupils are not the same, you know, this is an indication of, a, you know, a traumatic brain injury or, that, you know, or a concussion. Or so it's like, this is what you need to know how to do. So it's like, is it just you want to learn that you know is it you know you just want to learn how to bandage and cpr or a lot of people don't want to do cpr because it freaks them out or whatever which is fine i'm not going to judge you know so it's just like what is it that you want to learn but learn it learn it the right way
0: you know don't just rely don't on have- these videos Half fasting, yes youtube is not going to teach us how to save our animals lives when there's an emergency yeah, and I know a lot of you know creators out there. They do it's an algorithm thing or
1: whatever. But for me, I'm like I don't care. It's not an algorithm thing for me. You know, it's like I give the details. You're gonna know the who, what, where, when, why, and how for it. You know, that's the because that says a lot about me as an instructor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as an instructor, I you know I refer back to my sergeant time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm like this is a very serious thing. You know, I'm not selling a tote bag. You know, I'm not teaching you to make a dog treat. I'm literally giving you the skills to save your pet's life.
0: wow. I can't believe businesses aren't doing this. I'm just, yeah, I'm still going back to that. I, I, I'm i actually,
1: I had one um pretty well-known dog trainer yeah. out there uh, that he, I, I was speaking to him about a, a subject and he was like, what is it that you do again? And I told him I'm a certified pet first aid and CPR instructor. It's what I teach. And he kind of sat back and he thought, and he was like, well, can I just take my dog to the vet? Yep. But not, and I was like, okay. So he lives in California. I was born and raised out there in Southern California. And I knew exactly where he was at. And I told him, okay, how far is your nearest vet? He was like, oh, about 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, you're full of crap. because I know you're not near 15 minutes. If we're in the area that you're at, we're just going to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so I told him, I was like, okay. I go, is that general practice or are we talking 24 hour emergency care? And he was like, Um, no, general practice. I was like, okay. You go, where's your nearest emergency bed? He had to think about that one for a little bit longer. And he was like, oh, maybe about 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, you have no clue where your nearest emergency bed is. And so I told him, I was like, should there be a fight amongst the PAC members there in your care? I was like, or... Well, let's, just, let's go with that fight. I go, one dog bites another and severs an artery. Oh. I was like, because of a puncture wound, which can happen. Okay. And go, you severed an artery. I was like, you have five to seven minutes at best to get that dog to the vet. If not, they will lose 30% volume of their blood. And they will die from blood loss. They're going to slip into shock and they're going to die from blood loss. I was like, you're going to make it in that amount of time? I doubt it. You know, as I, like, or you go, you know, you walk out and one of the dogs are down. You don't know why. You have to know how to render aid, you know, check their pulse, check, you know, are they breathing? Immediately start CPR. It, where he was at there's rattlesnakes it was like what happens if one of them encounters a rattlesnakes and gets bit you know and that's so what I say so after a bit he you know and I taught him how to take a pulse too and he was just like the police officer that I encountered in Los Angeles <laughs> and you know he was he was so happy with himself that you had to take a pulse afterwards he understood it Okay. He was like, "Oh, I I get it now." You know, mm-hmm. I told him. I go simple thing, and I go, "What if something happens to this dog here right now?" I was like, "You think the vets that are around here have what they need to render eight, render?" Eight? No. And I was like, "And these are the things that like is not understood." And so I tell everybody, I go, "Most of the people that come to me." Pet parents, it's not a proactive stance is that they have had a medical emergency with their pet. Yep. They had no clue what to do. And now it's like, oh, you know what that I need to do? I need to take this class.
0: I have to tell you, it's not that easy to take a pulse. I mean, finding that femoral artery and just hoping you can feel it, <laughs> I'm like wait do I feel I have I have my hand in between my cat's legs right now. <laughs> he just bit me. Um <laughs> I need first aid. But uh it's not that e- it's not that easy. You really have to know what to do and what to look for and what and you have to be calm. Your mindset has to also be right when there's an emergency. There's a lot happening. And if if you are in a chaotic state You're not going to be able to help anybody, but having this as a backbone just, I think, will allow you to feel some confidence in the choices you make and not doubt yourself. So you can actually take the opportunity to help that animal. Um, It is a big deal. It really is a big deal. And I wish more people knew about you and what you do. I want everyone to know about you. I want every business to have you teach them that full day class and all of us be advocates for our animals. And that's all it is. It's just,
1: you know, they're your family. Why wouldn't you do this for your family? If you say they're your family, they're your babies, they're, you know, whatever. It's like, why wouldn't you do this? You know, the other reason behind this is that don't blame the vet. You know, vet teams and all that, they can only do so much. But if you just, if it's a full-blown emergency and you just did one pet first aid technique, you can increase their chance of a favorable outcome and survivability. You know, and a lot of people know it's just like you taking that first step, whether you recognize that sign that something was wrong, you control the, the blood loss, you know, you started CPR, whatever case before you got to the vet team, like that's a lot. Don't just blame the vet team because something didn't work in your favor or because you did something you weren't supposed to. You know, if it's a pet poison or emergency, you induce vomiting without talking to anybody,
0: you oh, know, and you just made matters,
1: you know, yeah. you made matters a whole lot worse this isn't on the vet team if the pet didn't survive. This is on you. Yeah. You know, so it's also being a responsible pet owner, you know, doing your part to make sure that, okay, this is what needs to be done. You know, not just giving them medication from your medicine cabinet, it's knowing what is for your pet. You know, you'll hear ranges and dosage amounts of- no, 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 no. We need to know what's going on with your pet because there's so much, like, do they have medical conditions? Are they already on medication? Like, there's so much more involved. And I have yet to have a student from my class that didn't come out with like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize, you know, there was, you know, I feel so much better. And, you know, I tell them, everybody has access to me. You know, they have a link where they can set up a refresher with me if something needed to go wrong. I just tell them, I am not your emergency phone call. Okay, that's just it. Something goes down, I go, I'm not your first call. All right, you got to call the vet, which is what I've always pushed. But I'm like, if you've got questions over the material we cover, you need to go over it a couple of times. Like, I am more than willing to help you. But I'm like, if you're in a situation where, you forgot CPR. You're not calling me on the phone. I'd be like Bertha, how do I do this again? <laughs> we contact the vet, all right? And like we're, I'm beyond the the emergency part here, okay? And so, um, you know, but I've had it. I've had you know where they feel better now, or I've had students who are just like, oh my gosh, I did this and I wasn't supposed to do it. I'm like, all right, don't worry about it, okay? Clean slate from here moving forward we know not to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And you're going to do it the right way. Yeah. So it's all of that, but it's definitely, it's definitely knowing it. It's knowing this, you know, and I tell everybody, this will mean the difference between saving your pet's life or losing them forever.
0: All right. So everyone that listens to this, I mean, pet industry specifically, take initiative. Bertha is available to teach your teams. Don't be foolish. Do it. <laughs> do it. Tell them Taz sent you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna every store I go into. I'm gonna talk about you, Bertha. I'm gonna tell them if they have groomers. Well, gonna... <laughs> Taz, you got to take it too. All
1: right, you have to take it too. I <laughs> have
0: to take it. I really do. We need to schedule so. I would want cat and dog. I just can't do just, mm-hmm. even though my house is filled with crazy cats. <laughs> so focus on cats and um, tell me, is it a, you said it's a full day. Mm-hmm. What is the, what would it look like if I was to sign up with you?
1: So um, you're going to head to my website, which mm-hmm. is thepetmedic.pro. Uh, you'll sign up there. You'll fill out a form, sign up. You pick your time block on there. Um, it could be, you know, it's like about a six, six and a half hour class. And I have breaks in there. I'm not, you know, that hardcore. We're just going to go straight. I have breaks put in there, you know? Um, and I tell everybody, you know, should it go pass a little over? Cause I do have students that ask a lot of questions. I'm like, I want you to ask me questions. I want you to feel comfortable with what you're learning. You know, I don't want you to be intimidated. You can't come to me. I want to make sure that you, you got it. And then, if you take the in-depth course that I have right now, the intensive course, you will be certified in pet first aid and CPR for two years. And after two years, you retake the course again.
0: And during those first two years, I need to practice. I need. You to should always like-
1: practice, regardless. Of.
0: <laughs> I'll be kissing my cats. Like, let me breathe into your nostrils. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm joking. That I find is the difficult thing. I really do. I can't, I, I can't lie. I'm I'm not, and I tell you, I'm not going to lie either. When I first learned how
1: to do pet first aid and CPR, I didn't practice either. But hey, guess daddy. what? My instructor didn't tell me about that. That instructor at the time, they didn't push it. They didn't say, look, this is important to practice or anything like that. Honestly, it's important to practice when you learn human first aid too. That's true. It wasn't until I got my second certification because I'm actually double certified as an instructor. My second certification was a little bit more intense, but my master instructor, my head instructor, she emphasized it. This is truly important. Everybody hears, oh, how do you use a song for, you know, every, you staying alive. I like staying alive. I'm Gen X, right? So it works for me. I love the BG. But I tell everybody, do you know how? Do you know how to use a song to practice chest compressions? No clue. No clue. And I explain it to them. Yeah, I'm like, this is how you use a song to practice chest compressions. Here is a site you can go to to pick the right song because the song has to have a certain beat. It's learning that, which nobody talks about. (laughs) Nobody tells you how to use the song. It's like, I'm not compressing to the lyrics. I'm compressing to the beat of the song you don't use the lyrics you don't use the melody you use the beat so you're counting you have to you know you got to do so the song should be between 100 or 120 beats per minute you have to do it why because compressions have to be administered at a steady and consistent pace so you can't be punching them out super fast one one round and then you're slower on the other round it's like you have to develop that muscle memory and practice so you know the exact beat that you're compressing. You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of
0: people are like, "What?" Like, oh, I, no, no, I'm, I'm there. I'm actually getting excited. I need to do this. I'll tell you something that, that happened today. I was at my computer, I was working, and I smelled smoke. And I live in New York City. I live in an apartment building, 186 units. And I am hypersensitive and always worried about fires. And my neighbors, the people living in the building, they're oblivious. So I called my doorman and I said, I smell smoke. He said, really? Second time it's happened this year. First time our laundry room was on fire. <laughs> no one said anything to us. I smelled it and I called everyone, made everyone leave. So I was freaking out. So hypersensitive. And then he said, somebody else called about 20 minutes ago. I said, 20 minutes ago, who were they and what floor? So he told me, I said, I'm going down there. He's like, no, no, no. I'll send someone. I said, okay, send someone now. And I looked out in the hallway. There was no smoke anywhere. So I immediately got all the cat bags out. I got my I'm type one diabetic, got my medication out. I threw everything in my backpack. I was ready. I already had three cats and bags. I was ready to leave. (laughs) The other cat I was trying to find and she was not letting me find her. And I had my windows open so I could get some fresh air in. Absolutely neurotic. And I was thinking about tonight having this conversation with you. I said, what if something happened? I didn't smell this, we inhaled smoke and I had to give somebody CPR or whatever what the hell? I don't know what I would be doing. I literally had, and I don't panic. I'm usually very calm. I had a second of panic. I said, no, I'm going to learn. That's it. I am just going to learn. You hear all the sirens in the background in New York. So I did find out that there was a fire. Someone had thrown their cigarette in a plant, in a planter, and it caused the, the living room floor and the planter to go up on fire and it was um, seven floors above me and on a completely different side of the building, but I smelled it. So I'm always worried about fires being in in a city apartment anywhere, anywhere. I'm always thinking these things, but what am I doing about it, right? What am I doing about it? I am having a moment of panic because I'm not prepared. So I need to prepare. And I think taking your course is definitely a starting point for me.
1: Yeah. And I'm working on other, I have other certifications that I'm doing right now. I'm doing a certification for groomer safety. Yes. Yeah. You know, so this is like, we're talking beyond first aid. This is now, it's almost like a part two in a way, but it's now okay. In the shop, this mm-hmm. is what you need to take account for. After that, it's going to be disaster preparedness. Oh, for God. your pets yeah you know the other one is car safety you know it's like there's so much to it i've seen this evolution of pet ownership when i was little we didn't have petco Petsmart, and all this other stuff you know it's just like you left it to the dead. i lost my purpose when i left the military which is why i had to pivot so much in my life because it's just like i didn't know what i wanted to do and this this is my purpose now is to educate people. I don't want you to have an if only moment. I want to replace all that panic with knowledge. Because if you've never been in that situation, I have, thanks to Afghanistan, I know fight or flight, I'm going to fight. That's my reaction. But if you don't know, it's like, okay, you blank out in the back of your head, you're going to be like, she said that I need to go to the vet. If you just didn't know, it's like, I know no matter what, I got to get to the vet. And it's just doing that. It's like having that in your head. It's like, okay, when I call the vet, I'm not going to be hysterical. I'm not going to be this. She told me when I'm allowed to lose my shit or whatever. It's not at the beginning. I can do it at this other point. So it's when I call the vet, I'm giving them specifics. I'm doing this. I cover the whole gamut. So it's like, okay, if a fire breaks out, this is what I'm going to do. That's where my blog comes in too. You know, It's like, I try to cover other materials. I have a fire safety blog for your pets have that plan I know we all heard it growing up is to have our plans for those emergency situations and whether people do it or not
0: yeah you know that's
1: another thing but it's just like this is what we want to do right so if we go hiking with our pets or whatever it's like okay you learn how to get them up there guess what should something happen you better know how to get back down as fast as you possibly can if you have to evacuate the building and you have a large dog or multiple pets of some kind, you better know how to like, where are hiding spaces if they get scared and how to gather them and their emergency uh, kit. Cause emergency kit, and pet first aid kit, those are two different things. So it's like knowing how to do that. How am I going to evacuate them if it's just me or it's understanding all these things. If you don't care about you, that's one thing, but don't do this to your pets. They're innocent animals here. I yeah.
0: know. I'm, I'm actually going to buy a stroller, a folding stroller, so I can throw at least the two fat ones in there. So I have to admit, I have two fat cats. No, one. Pleasantly fat plump. Pleasantly plump, I think. <laughs> but I, I am going to get a stroller so I can roll it out because four could be a problem. But then again, if you have to take the steps then the stroller is going to be a problem. So those are all the things that you have to think about, right? Yeah. It's like,
1: okay, if I, if the stairs are out of commission for whatever reason, it's like, yep. what are my other options? It's like, I I don't want to put it out in the universe because that's not my intention. But it's like, but that's, there's a reality. Yeah. You want to be prepared. You know, the army taught me that. I'm prepared for just about every scenario when I go out. When I had my uh, service dog and we traveled, I had more stuff for him than I did for myself because I was always prepared should something happen with him that he was taken care of. So I try to stress this with my students as well. With Pet First Aid, it's not always about hands-on doing something. I was like, it can be as simple as recognizing the sign that something is wrong and taking that immediate action. You want to take an immediate action to catch something before it becomes worse. So it's doing all of this, understanding that, you know, understanding that bloat is not just, oh, it's this people catch it at the very last stage. Believe it or not, bloat is in stages. It has phases to it. And the faster you can catch it, the better outcome for this dog. But it's like, understanding, understanding differences. I know a lot of people too, they're afraid to ask the vet, because they don't want to look stupid. Or a lot of vets, They use, you know, the very formal terminology and that makes people kind of intimidated where I tell people, okay, it's this, but this is what they're talking about because I want you to have it in your head. Should you hear it? Oh, this is what they're talking about and understanding all of these things. like All of this will make you a better pet parent, but it'll also make you better prepared to handle these things. Nine out of 10 pets will actually suffer a medical emergency in their lifetime. Yep. Those are
0: real statistics. Yes, from Not the American
1: Veterinary 10. Association. Nine out of 10 pets will suffer a pet medical emergency in their lifetime. And if one first aid technique is done, 25% of them can be saved. One first aid technique, 25%. More. Yeah, more lives can be saved. With just that, can you imagine like, if you have a deep wound, it can also help you save a little money if you can control that blood loss? Mm-hmm. Maybe now we're not talking about the pet needing a blood transfusion, maybe now we're not talking about the pet having to stay in the hospital. It's knowing all of these things. Yeah, wow. I actually had one student reach out to me, her dog got a big old gash on his leg, and she was like, I didn't panic. I knew what to do. She was only upset because her pet first aid kit hadn't come in the mail yet. So, you know, she was like, I I I grabbed napkins. And I'm like, I am like "I, that's fine. She's like, she did what she could. She controlled the blood loss. She got to the vet and the vet was like proud of her. It uh-huh. was like, Wow, you know, you did a really good job. And also she's like, I took a pet first aid and CPR class. And he was like, Good for you. Her pet didn't need stitches. They just cleaned out the wound more so because she didn't have the supplies on hand to do it. And her dog's fine. And it's like, it was those i I'm like, well, I'm sorry you had to do it. You know, like,
0: I. but I'm proud that. Oh my God, this takes me back to my, my, when my dog got attacked by two dogs and his leg was ripped open and I'm in the dog park. And I was just thinking, what the hell did I do? I remember walking into a vet's office and I was covered head to toe with, with blood. And when I was walking home, a cop um, stopped me and asked me if I was okay. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. And I didn't, my whole body, I was covered with blood. I had taken my dog to the vet to drop him off to have him taken care. But I didn't stop the bleeding. I was not able to do any of that stuff. All I did was like pick him up and carry 70 pounds of him to the vet. And
1: believe it or not, the point is not to stop the blood loss. If you can stop it altogether, consider that a bonus. What you want to do is control the amount of blood loss. Everybody's so focused on, I got to stop it. I got to stop it. It's like, no, 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 no. We need to slow it down and get it under control. We don't want the whole blood volume coming out. We want to try to minimize it and get to the vet as fast as we can. So it's not using hydrogen peroxide to treat wounds. (laughs) Okay. I'm like, oh my gosh, don't do that. And it's just like, okay, this is how we're going to treat it. This is how we're going to do this bandage. And, you know, we're off to the races. We're going to get them to the vet team. I always tell everybody, think of yourselves like the EMTs of the pet world. Become certified. Okay, what do EMTs do? What do these paramedics do? They render aid immediately. Try to stabilize the patient and then get them to the medical team, right? Same concept for our pet. We want to render aid immediately, try to stabilize them, and get them to the vet team. Our job is not to diagnose. Our job is to recognize the signs, do what we can if there's something we can physically do. If not, get them to the vet team as fast as we can. That's what we're meant to do.
0: Oh, my God, Bertha. I literally had my dog's leg under my armpit, and I was holding it tight, so he would stop me <laughs> But that's direct pressure. I mean, sometimes
1: you got to do it. You're oh not going to have, maybe you don't have your stuff with you for whatever reason. Although I have like different ways to make shift pet first aid kits for everything. So mm-hmm. if you have to MacGyver your way through something, do work with what you have. Okay. You didn't have bandages and all that, but you had an arm and you put direct pressure and all right, there you go. You did something. Mm-hmm. Had you had a pet first aid kit, maybe that would have looked a little different, but you,
0: I, you I did know what I- you had. Okay. Going forward, if I if I ever get a dog again, my backpack will have a will have a doggy first aid kit in it. Going <laughs> forward, I'll never go to a dog run or a dog park without one. I think that's another thing: dog parks, dog runs, when there's tons of animals all interacting, having this experience, having this knowledge is so critical for all of them. So this was amazing. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for sharing all your knowledge, Pet medic, dot pro the pet medic dot pro medic.pro. okay pet medic dot pro you know when i don't see dot com i just get all confused
1: i know I, I i tried it and i was trying to find out who owned the dot com part of it but it just i don't know who it was there was no solid vet, answer
0: it's a vet
1: and so, and so i was like okay no problem and i'm like let's find one that's a little bit i'm like pro all right i'm a pro i'm a pet professional, so. I'm going to go with that, but.
0: Okay, medic.pro, everybody go there, sign up for your classes. Pet business yep. centers, it's perfect for your businesses. You know, groomers and doggy daycares, all these facilities, they can really make more money.
1: To- <laughs> it'll, it'll stand out. It, it stands
0: out. People don't see it, but I'm
1: like, oh. it's a perk. And, you know, like. On on TikTok, I have videos in Spanish. It's available out there. I can teach this course in Spanish
0: if I if it needs to be. Love it. All right. So everybody, petmedic.pro, this is Bertha. She can teach you how to be proactive and take care of your pets in case of an emergency and perhaps save their lives and also feel good about yourself. And um For business owners, really think about having every one of your staff get involved and learn. And once one person learns and one person does great or helps another animal, just see how it, I mean, it's like a wildfire. People get all excited and they want to do this. I'm just shocked that there aren't more businesses out there getting certified, groomers, doggy daycares. They, every single staff member should be certified so we, we need to market you out to all of them
1: that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying that's the that's the goal in this you know, is just to put out a pet first aid awareness pet
0: safety this this matters what about a global and super zoo and, and even the distributor shows you can do those have a half day class half well, six hour class I would split I would split it up in two days for, in that occasion
1: but I know that super zoo i think they have a contract with the company that has this because the two times that i've been to super zoo it's the same company that teaches i could have sworn global had it but i i'm not 100 percent sure even if you had a talk as a guest speaker and just explaining to businesses here is this advantage for you, I know we all want to support each other and that's all, that's all great. We want to have that kumbaya moment, but everybody also wants that little edge, right? They want that one step up from sure. their competition. You'd be surprised what this does. This holds a lot of weight with your customers and your clients.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You can market it. Absolutely. But, but really if one groomer leaves and she was the only one certified, make sure the other groomers are certified as well. Don't just put bullshit out there, which a lot of businesses do. So that's. trust and be honest. I think there's huge opportunities for businesses to not only take care of the pets that are in their care, do better, be better. So thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. I just want to help. Like I said, I
1: don't want anybody to ever have an if only moment.